missions. Can we give God praise for them tonight? Hallelujah. Thank God. We appreciate every single one of you coming out tonight. We're grateful for the opportunity to minister to you this evening. Those of you online, we appreciate you as well. How many are glad to be in church Wednesday night? Uh, how many of you are glad to be in church on Wednesday night? Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. It's great to be in the house of God. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. In a moment, we will read from the Word of God, but before we do, by way of illustration... I would like to begin by speaking about a conquistador. In 1533, he came from Spain with a group of soldiers. They came into South America and began to have an exchange, a conflict with the Incans. It's quite hostile. Many people were killed. But this conquistador by the name of Pizarro, he was a godly man. He had a relationship with God. And as he continued to conquer and establish the Spanish kingdom, he would encounter various types of opposition. Those that were most vehement, of course, were those who became jealous of his conquest, those there amongst him. And at a critical time, a group of them broke into his personal chamber and began to execute those who protected him and ultimately they would kill him as well. As he is dying, he takes in his own blood and he draws a cross and yells out the name of Jesus. Jesus! He dies, but his conquest continues. Began to think about that in application this evening to what I'm about to minister. Because it's Jesus who ultimately died for our victory. There is a constant opposition. Knowing this, Jesus gave to us his name, the name that is above every name. His blood that is effectual this evening, that blood that gives us authority, that gives us dominion, that gives us salvation. The truth is we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And as we apply this to this message this evening, there is this fact. The reality is we have an enemy. And the enemy is always looking for a place of expression. He seeks to 
express himself in human personality. And if we do not take the initiative against him, the truth is he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I want to minister this evening. The devil exposed is a devil defeated. Can you say amen? Would you read with me for just a moment out of the book of Acts chapter 13 verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bargesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamias the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what, he had, what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. God, we thank you for the word of truth. We're so grateful for this host that we have this evening. I am asking you to remove the blinders. The influence of witchcraft and the demonic. For we are a people who believe in your name. And because of that, we expect the victory. We take demonic, we take dominion over demonic powers tonight. Satan, you're defeated and exposed. And because you are exposed, we take the initiative tonight to rebuke you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look, first of all, why witchcraft? Now, as you begin to examine this portion of Scripture, you see, you see here the men of God, Saul, Paul. You see Barnabas and John. There is in the Scripture this that's underscored, and that is that the Spirit is directing them. Here, as they have landed in Cyprus, they're upon an island. This island, identified in Scripture, is a host to many different types of beliefs. And as you look at this, the Bible tells us the first mention of this outreach. This is actually a missionary trip, the first one. And as they are moving forward for God, there is this encounter that they have. 
This encounter with a demon spirit, a spirit of divination. They're establishing the kingdom of God, preaching the word of God. And the Holy Spirit directing them. You see now an enemy, the Bible says, who is there to pervert the straight ways of the Lord, of righteousness. And so as you look at this, the perversion, the reality of the enemy, his strategy we find again as we look at Genesis chapter 3, this is the place where we can go back to the first mention of this opposition where now we see the enemy at work. Here is God's creation, the capstone of creation, man and woman. And as they are there, the Bible says the serpent was more cunning, more subtle than any beast of the field, saying unto the woman, Has God said that you cannot eat of the trees of the garden? She responds and says, We may eat of the trees and the fruit of the garden, but of the tree in the midst of the garden we cannot eat. Touch it or eat it lest we die. You will not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat of the fruit, you will be like God knowing good and evil. So here we find in the subtlety, in the opposition of the enemy, his aim here is to corrupt The strategy is always against the word of God. The aim is to cause the individual, to cause the corporate body to be assaulted, especially when it comes to the straight ways of the Lord. The influence to participate and be righteous, the Bible says that God is a holy God. And this, in fact, is the deceitfulness of the enemy when he says to the woman, has God said? He seeks to cause for her a crisis. This is always the work of the enemy. This is how witchcraft works. In the subtlety of it, There is a persuasion, a strong persuasion. And in this persuasion, it seeks to cause the believer to be in crisis. Notice here that Sergius Paulus, he wanted to hear the word of God. And it is here at this place where this man desires to hear the word of God, where the pro-council, a Roman representation there as they want to hear the word of God. Of course, they're hearing about the miracles 
They're hearing about the conversions. There is a supernatural revival taking place there in that area. And as they hear this, there is a man who says, an intelligent man who wants to hear the word of the Lord. And it's here that witchcraft, divination is exposed. It is here that we find in our services an opposition. We preach the whole counsel of God. When we preach the whole counsel of God, there will be that opposition. The enemy suddenly comes in and he begins to express himself. We find in first. Samuel chapter 15, in this portion of scripture, Samuel says to Saul, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. We find something that's very apparent and that is in disobedience. There can be a manifestation, something begins to occur in the heart of, of the individual and this in fact is what the enemy is attracted to. He sees the disobedience, he watches for it and it is here that Saul, rebellion is as the spirit of divination or witchcraft. We see again in Acts chapter 16, the Bible tells us here that Paul and Silas continuing on a journey, a missionary journey, they receive the Macedonian call. They respond, they have an encounter. They're building a church there in Lydia's house. The Bible says on the way to prayer every morning, they encounter a girl with a spirit of divination saying all the right things. But notice, when that spirit is present, the man or woman of God who's filled with the Holy Ghost will identify it. Divination, this spirit that's attracted to disobedience, people that refuse to obey God, that refuse, that begin to say in themselves, not God's will, but my will be done. And it is here that something begins to change in the heart of the person. Something begins to transpire. This is the strategy of hell. This is what happens to people at times. You begin to see them change because they will not judge something. Rather than saying that's from hell, that's the devil, they will not judge it because of relationship, because of personal interest, 
because of these things that's working in their hearts, the spirit of divination begins to take hold of them and because they will not judge it, there is something working in the human personality that causes that person to begin to oppose Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man who wanted to hear the word of God. This is why converts don't survive. This is why new converts, they can come to church, but they come into an atmosphere where there is a spirit of divination Something working because of allowances, because of personal preference. Something that's been working in us because we will not judge it. People come into the church service and because of this, they don't survive. They sense it. They sense this very spirit that we see in the scripture. I want to look secondly at the target of witchcraft. Notice here again that it says specifically that Bar Jesus was there to oppose their faith. Their faith. And faith, again, is our backbone. Faith is what causes the church to grow. Faith is what causes the man and woman of God to experience breakthroughs in their lives. Faith is what causes fruitfulness. And it is here that faith is being targeted Perverting the straight ways of the Lord. And we see how this strategy is used against us as we look at Matthew chapter 4. Here is Jesus. Jesus is now in the wilderness. The Bible says he's been filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost this evening, the devil's going to assault you. And what you will find is in that assault that there's power to prevail, to conquer. For us to conquer the enemy. But look here, there's three things that are very revealing here as you look at the scripture. And that is, the Bible says, first of all, after Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, Satan comes to him. And he says, if you are who you say you are, Turn those stones into bread. So what he is doing here is he's helping us to see something that the enemy does when he attacks us. 
with the spirit of divination. And that is he will always attack who you are in Christ. He will question this. He will cause you in reflection. He uses this at a critical moment when you're struggling. Perhaps when there has been a failure, a setback, something's going on in your life. And it is here the subtlety. If you are who you say you are, if you're really a Christian, if you're really a believer in Jesus, then prove it. Prove it. And many times it is here that when we begin to ingest What's being said that because of the lack of faith, remember he's after your faith. Because of the lack of faith, what happens is the enemy gains in the objective a manipulation. And at critical times when you need to exercise your authority in Jesus' name, he's convinced you that you do not have that authority or that dominion to prevail. The second thing is, is now look at the scripture In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. Now, as you look at this, you can begin to think about the reason for this. There is a connection in relation to the church. The temple, of course, being the place that housed The Ark of the Covenant. It would have been the ancient church, the church for the Jews. Now we have because of Jesus Christ, the church, this that we enjoy, the fellowship. But what you see is he takes him up to this place. And again, he begins to use the word of God The enemy will always use the word of God. He will try to, through strong delusion, bring confusion. He will use the word at critical times to sow doubt and unbelief. Cast yourself off of the temple and the Lord will cause you to fly. And so it is here that he says, prove it. Prove this. And I challenge you to know this evening that there is always this strategy of proving ground where the enemy comes in at critical times when we're going through things. And his aim is to get you to doubt And to fall prey to human weakness. 
God wants me to encourage you this evening. We are a part of the house of God. What would have happened if Jesus would have done that at that moment? It would have changed everything. It would have changed everything if he would have launched off the temple to prove to the devil who he was. He says, I give all authority and power to you. If he would have done that, that authority and power might have not been given to you and I. See, deception always steals the strength of the believer. It always steals the strength, the dominion of the believer. And as Jesus is here, you see in the propaganda, the enemy again, he is saying to Jesus thirdly, if you are, he takes him, to a mountaintop. And he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, he says, there, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And so again, what you see as you look at this portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 13, you see in the invitation the enemy is at a very strategic time using this moment to try to stop the aggressive church, the church planting church, the disciple making church. Look at the four individuals or the four pictures that were given in the scripture, the first is that Sergius Paulus and the pro-council, which is again a picture of the church. This is the strategy against the church. This witchcraft is operating to destroy and deceive and confuse. There's people here tonight, you've been dealing with confusion. You're sitting in the church service tonight and you are under an assault in your mind, a confusion. And it's like you're in this place where there's no breakthrough. It's like you're in this place where you're looking for God, but where are you, God? Where are you? Why can't I experience you in power? And then we see the pastor, you see Paul here. The picture again is that witchcraft many times assaults leadership. There are leaders. You need to pray for pastor, Pastor Greg, Pastor Jesse, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Diego, myself, you need to pray because there is an assault 
a strategy, a spirit of divination. And I assure you it's very real. There is also in this picture Barnabas and John Mark. A picture of discipleship. Listen to me. This again is strategic because you will find that when there is an assault, when there is a spirit of divination and witchcraft working against the church, that discipleship comes under assault. Men begin to back down. They're not aggressive like they should be. Something's happening them. Suddenly they're backing away. Notice what happens at the conclusion of Acts chapter 13. The Bible says in Acts 14, the first thing after this encounter that John Mark did is he left and went back to Jerusalem. He left his position here in this encounter, in this demonic resistance. He quit. And what you will find many times is you will find men, couples, men who at one time had dominion, now they've lost an edge. They're no longer hungry for the ministry that God's called them into. They're not contending for a supernatural dimension in their life. There is a spirit of divination that keeps coaxing them and undermining them. And rather than rising up, they depart. They let the subtlety of the enemy put them in a place of isolation, in a place where they are ineffective. And there are men here tonight, you're under the influence. And it's a spirit. There are things that you're considering because of the experiences that you have had recently, things that you have observed And in this, rather than rising up and taking action, you accept it, you embrace it, and you begin to move away from the very thing that God wants you to conquer. Can you say amen? I want to conclude with defeating witchcraft this evening. How many know that that is our portion? Tonight, because I tell you what, an enemy exposed is an enemy defeated. And it is here as we look back at the scripture where the man of God, he says, you son of the devil, how dare you mess with my church? How dare you mess with the people of God? He says, you son of the devil. You S-O-D. <laughs> Hello. Mad. He says, how dare you 
you fraudulent, you lying, you devil, you are perverting the straight ways of the Lord. It should upset you when people pervert the straight ways of the Lord. It should make you mad and say, you know what, I'm judging that. And it is here in the judgment that something changes immediately. That God takes the field aggressively. The moment he begins to rebuke, the moment he begins to exercise his authority, In Jesus' name, what happens is the Bible says this man, bar Jesus, is blinded. And we have this authority tonight. No weapon formed against us will prosper. I declare to you, there's power here tonight that we must exercise in Jesus' name. We must come against the powers of darkness. We must remember who the real enemy is. The words that people speak. You need to remember who the real enemy is. And if you've come under an assault in your mind, if there are things working inside of you that God's dealing with, you need to get it right. Because there's coming a day when there will be a blinding effect The Bible says that he didn't know where he was going. He lost his way. That's what happens to people that are under the influence of rebellion and witchcraft. There's a day where they're separated from the people of God. There's a day God says no more. No more. And no matter what happens, how you call it, some people say it's that church, it's those people down. It's God that judged this man. It's God. And I assure you, we're in that place right now. God's dealing with us because he wants to help us. How many of you want to step into the revival we've been promised? Hallelujah. How many? I want that. Belongs here. It's for us. Can you say amen? Pastor Renz was telling me about a story in conclusion. He said when he was pioneering in Cape Town. He said he went on an outreach. He took five new converts with him. They went to this place. It was a mass of humanity. Ten shacks everywhere. And as he got out to go over and begin to outreach, he crosses the road. And as he's crossing the road... Onto that property, three demoniacs come out and meet him. Three. 
And they said, what are you doing here? And his response was, I've come to evangelize this area and declare Jesus Christ and a revival began there in Grassy Park. To this day, they're still seeing people say, because a man chose to not back down and say, you know what? I'm taking what God has given me. I'm taking this place for Jesus Christ. This city belongs to Jesus. Prescott belongs to Jesus this city belong. I said, this city belongs to Jesus. Prescott Valley, the Tri-City area, it belongs to Jesus. And we are the chosen people who have been given this message. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're chosen by God. We must exercise the authority that we've been given. Can you give God praise in the Holy Ghost? Heads bowed and eyes closed.